0: all right guys you're locked on falcons i'm your host Aaron freeman and today you're going to be locked on fullbacks locked on running backs as i preview the training camp battles and big questions surrounding the atlanta falcons running back and fullback position entering training camp you are locked on falcons your daily atlanta falcons podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter at Falcons, and of course the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is a training camp preview. We are gearing up for the very end of these training camp positions, talking about the final position group on the Falcons offense. Uh, We've already talked about quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line. And so today we're going to be locked on running backs, locked on fullbacks, a position group that holds a special place in my heart. We'll be talking quite a bit about what the expectations can be for Mike Davis as the Falcons lead tailback. and as we get into that conversation we'll talk about about what we can expect from his production and that matters when it comes to fantasy football and if you're a person that's in Invested in trying to win your fantasy league this year. Uh, I should tell you about the lockdown fantasy football podcast, the daily podcast on the lockdown podcast network that gives you that daily edge from host Vinnie Iyer of the sporting news so that your fantasy squad never fails. Subscribe to the lockdown fantasy football podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So in addition to talking about Mike Davis and the expectations on him, we'll talk about whether or not Mike Davis alone can uh, sort of fill the shoes necessary to get this Falcons running game off the ground. We've had several years of subpar rushing success, and we'll see if Mike Davis uh, can sort of carry the burden to change that narrative or if he's going to need some help and which players uh, at the running back position can help potentially provide that help but of course you know guys we're going to talk about the fullback position a position that's near and dear to my heart uh, talking about Keith Smith and potential his status on the roster if he's going to get pushed by a player but we'll get into that later without further ado we always do when we start off these positional previews we talk about the various roster changes and the depth chart uh, surrounding these positions and so the Falcons of course lost Several of their running backs have completely revamped this position, losing Todd Gurley, Edo Smith and Brian Hill this past offseason. And they added a bunch of players to replace those guys. Mike Davis presumably will replace Todd Gurley as the lead tailback coming to Atlanta as a former Carolina Panther, but did play under current Falcons quarterback coach, Charles London, when he was the running backs coach of Chicago back in 2019, briefly his teammate in Chicago that year, as well as last year uh, was Cordero Patterson, another pickup for the Falcons, a former NFL wide receiver that has recently made the conversion to running back. We know that Patterson's primary role will be as a kickoff returner, however, but he'll probably dapple as a running back. How much we'll get into that later on today's episode. The Falcons also picked up uh, two undrafted free agents at the running back position: the JV and Javian Hawkins, the speedster out of Louisville, and Caleb Huntley, a sort of bowling ball type out of Ball State. Um, they also picked up a fullback uh, in undrafted free agency, or really an H back, out of Northwestern in John Rain, and he'll uh, be the backup behind. Keith Smith at the fullback position, Keith Smith, of course, the incumbent starter at that fullback position with rain, likely getting most of the second team snaps, uh, at that position at the running back position, you have Mike Davis atop the depth chart, Cordero Patterson, number two, Quadri Olison number three one of the few holdovers I got Tony Brooks, James as number four, but he could be pushed by number five, JV Hawkins and Caleb Huntley, number six uh, competing for that fourth spot. So we'll get into those battles as we uh, continue today's episode. But before we get in that, we got to get our locked on fullback segment, uh, up front and right out of the way. And I do believe that Keith Smith will wind up sticking on this roster. I do know that some people have been projecting him to potentially be on the bubble and be a potential cut this summer. Um, And I think a lot of that is geared towards the notion that Arthur Smith's offense prefers tight ends to running backs. And while that's true, this offense in Tennessee, particularly the last two years has made ample use of the fullback position. So it's not foreign to this offense, they added Corey Blazing Game, probably the best fullback that most of you have never heard of. Uh, around Week Twelve of the twenty nineteen season, and basically since they added Blazing Game, they have been one of the most you know they've been the team in an offense that has utilized the fullback you know certainly in the top you know, seven or eight, I think Uh, there was like number two in the league starting in week 12 after the 49ers in 2019. And I think he was like seventh or eighth most used fullback in the league this past year. So somewhere in that range. So I do not expect John rain to be much of a challenge uh, to Keith Smith, given his college experience was primarily as a pass catching tight end and H back. And from what I have seen, what little I have seen of him was not really bringing a whole lot as a blocker in that regard. And that's kind of the primary function um <laughs> of a fullback and while Keith Smith is by no means an elite fullback you know he's certainly competent and capable for the most part I feel like inconsistency has been a little frustrating with him these last two years as the Falcons fullback but I think in general particularly over the last year and a half uh, the good has outweighed the bad with Keith Smith so I don't feel like Smith is on the bubble it's been over 25 years since the Falcons didn't carry a fullback on the roster going back to the mid 90s when Craig Ironhead Hayward was on the team who was technically listed as as a running back but prior to arriving in Atlanta in 1994 had spent the bulk of his career playing a fullback so while he wasn't um, you know technically a fullback on the Falcons if you do count him as a fullback uh, given his uh, history you know you would have to go all the way back 28 years uh, to 1993 where the last time the Falcons didn't carry a fullback on the roster so I do not expect that streak to be broken this summer we'll see about that in future years but I don't think it's going to happen in 2021 and speaking of streaks being broken. We'll see if Mike Davis can break the streak of the Falcons not having a 1,000-yard rusher, which has been four consecutive years uh, heading into 2021, and we'll talk about that coming up on today's Lockdown Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the ultimate mock draft, the ultimate NBA mock draft, which you can find on your favorite podcast app, including Odyssey. And, you know, it's a five-day extravaganza. As you guys are listening to this, or at least most if you listening to this on Thursday is day four of that five-day extravaganza where you would probably be hearing uh, a certain host of the Locked on Hawks podcast, Brad Rowland, picking for uh, potentially your favorite, uh, at least Georgia-based NBA team on day four of the, of the mock draft, the ultimate mock draft. And, you know, in addition to getting Brad's insight as well as the other local experts picking for their various teams, you're getting insights from NBA draft guru, Chad Ford. You're getting Odyssey Sports expert like former Phoenix Suns GM Ryan McDonough, you're getting former NBA player Brian Scalabrini, a.k.a. White Mamba and former NCAA head coach Jimmy Patsos, in addition to all those local experts. So definitely check out the ultimate NBA mock draft 2021 on your favorite podcast app. So, I want to tell you guys about Rock Auto. With ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to keep all the auto parts in stock that you need. Why wait while the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer when you already have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket with your phone? Save time and money when using Rock Auto. You'll spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you order from that chain store or a car dealership. Meanwhile, Rock Auto. Dot com's Prices are always reliably low for every customer. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website yourself today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. Dot com. So talking about the main Falcons running back, let's talk about Mike Davis and sort of his strengths and weaknesses before we start to get into the conversation on what our expectations and, and putting some numbers, some statistical expectations on what we can expect from Mike Davis as the Falcons lead tailback. And then we'll get into a conversation over whether that's going to be enough uh, in order for this Falcons team to have a healthy running game. But, you know, Mike Davis you know was one of the highly graded players for pro football focus when it particularly came for for elusiveness and forcing missed tackles Um, you know he's not a particularly explosive guy he's a short squatty build guy 5'9 220 plus pounds has you know monster thighs as has been sort of a meme going around this summer he possesses patience power vision and quickness you know again he's not going to be a guy that's going to break a lot of long runs he's only had maybe a handful of, of runs beyond 20 plus yards throughout his NFL career but another thing that he makes up for you know he may not be the home run threat but he's a reliable option uh, and you see that expressed with how well he secures the football. He's only had two career fumbles with only one fumble in his last uh, 358 carries. Um, He was very productive this past year for Carolina particularly in the first few starts as a replacement for Christian McCaffrey. Started out very strong uh, and to the point that you you heard this narrative in October when the Falcons were facing the Panthers in that month where people were sort of opining that maybe the Panthers' offense is better with Mike Davis as their lead tailback instead of Christian McCaffrey due to the fact that the offense uh, may be a little bit less predictable uh, given the expectations that when McCaffrey's in the lineup, he's going to be force-fed the ball and defenses are able to key on that. Now, you know, I'm not necessarily going to weigh in on that opinion. I'll leave that up to Julian Council, the host of the Lockdown Panthers, to give a little bit more of an insightful opinion into that. But I think that narrative kind of went away after a while because in the second half of the season, after Christian McCaffrey came back briefly in a week nine game. um, You didn't see the same production from Mike Davis after that point. You know, when you look at Uh, Davis's numbers, you saw a running back in the second half of the season that didn't get as many yards after contact was not generating as many explosive runs as he did in the first half of the season. Again, he's not necessarily a breakaway threat, but you know, you saw a lot more of those 10, 15 yard gains sprinkled in there at the beginning of the season. than you saw towards the end of the season. And one other thing that was notable where you didn't see a guy that was as prone to making defenders miss after the catch, uh, which was one of the areas why he was so highly graded as an elusive runner. This past year. Now, maybe some of that decline in production as a runner especially uh, had to do with an injury to Panthers left tackle Russell Okung got hurt in week seven uh, and basically played 40 or so snaps after that point. And and sort of they missed him on their offensive line, given the question marks that the Panthers had at that left tackle position behind Okung. So maybe that's a legitimate excuse. But, you know, when you look at Davis himself looking at sort of his own elusiveness, uh, which, you know, I think is part of the equation. When you're looking at that pass catching ability, looking at Pro Football Focus's elusive metric, and looking at how many tackles uh, a runner forced, uh, or how many missed tackles a runner forced uh, from defensive players, as both a runner and receiver, you know Davis was v- highly rated last year for Pro Football Focus and finished third behind players like Nick Chubb and Tony Pollard, and, and slightly ahead of. Derrick Henry in that metric uh, in large part, thanks to his ability and propensity to make defenders miss in the passing game as a receiver. And you look at his 22 missed tackles force as a receiver were the most of any running back in the NFL last year, uh, even ahead of Alvin Kamara, uh, who had to, I believe had 20, even though Alvin Kamara had about 25 more catches, uh, and thus more opportunities to make guys miss than Davis did. Now, When you look at the breakdown as the season unfold, however, 18 of those 22 missed tackles as a receiver came from weeks two through eight, right? And only four came after that point. And so that's what I mean, where it seemed like, you know, Davis wore down as the season unfolded. And so that's going to be one of the big questions surrounding Davis is, can you – reliably expect a full season of production uh, from him, given that we've basically only seen six or seven games worth of really good production. And not to say that he was terrible the, the second half of the season, but clearly was not on the same trajectory uh, in the second half of 2020 as he was in the first half of that season. Now what's interesting when we sort of look at what we can expect out of Mike Davis this upcoming season, you know, one of the things I did go back and look at his uh, last 17 starts, uh, which included 12 last year going all the way back to, um, you know, week 16 of the 2017 season when he was with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, And in those 17 games, I feel like, you know, that's a pretty good projection over what you can reasonably expect from Mike Davis across, you know, a 17 game season as the Falcon starter. And he had 226 carries for 892 yards with a yards per carry of just below 4.0, eight touchdowns, 71 catches for 405 receiving yards and three more receiving touchdowns. So if you extrapolate those numbers across a 16, game sample to compare and contrast with sort of how running back stacked up in 2020, you know, in attempts that would be 10th, highest uh, in yards. That would be 17th highest touchdowns. would be 19th highest catches. It'd be the third highest among uh, running backs and receiving yards. would be eighth highest. So clearly those numbers are telling us that you know Mike Davis seems to project a little bit better as a pass catcher uh, than necessarily a runner. Doesn't mean that he's poor to running, but more middle of the pack in terms of the running back stuff, but more sort of high level pass catcher based off of those numbers. So I think that's a little bit of a surprise to a lot of folks who sort of assume you know Davis to be more of this sort of poor man's Derrick Henry and this grinder as a running back. Um, and, you know, those numbers look pretty good, particularly when you compare them to what Todd Gurley's numbers, if you extrapolate them, you know, over a 17-game season where Gurley played 15 games last year for the Falcons. And his numbers would be about 221 carries, which is about the same as what Davis is, but only for about 768 yards. So Davis is giving you roughly about 125 more yards over across a, a season, averaging just 3.5 yards per carry for Gurley. 10 times... So a little bit better there, a little bit more valuable in the red zone. And Gurley's only gave the Falcons 28 catches for 185 yards and, and no touchdowns in the passing game if you extrapolate his 15 game sample to 17 games. So uh, you're getting improvement in terms again. Davis as a pass catcher and a slight improvement uh, in terms of his rushing production. Now when you look at Davis's you know, projected totals, it's comparable to what we saw with Devontae Freeman back in 2017 when he had 865 rushing yards on 996 carries and 7 touchdowns. Um, and I think that 2017 season for Devontae still doesn't get enough credit for that year, which was I think arguably his best season as a Falcon. Um, and he doesn't get a lot of credit simply because he did not rush for thousand yards that season. However, to be fair, to Devontae Freeman. He only played in 14 games that season. And if you sort of project his 14 game total uh, from 2017 to a full 17 game slate, uh, it would roughly, roughly equal about a, a thousand and fifty yards. Um, that 2017 season is is notable because it's the last time the Falcons really had a healthy rushing attack the Falcons finished 13th in rushing offense that year if you're basing it purely off rushing yards and 14th in the league that year in terms of their football outsiders DVOA rushing ranking Um, but the key part of sort of their success as a running team wasn't solely Dante Freeman playing as well as he did that year but you also got a big boost from Tevin Coleman as that RB2 who added another 628 yards and five rushing touchdowns on the ground that year uh, in 2017. And I think that's really where the core question is going to be with this Falcons running game. You know, you were getting about on average about 97 rushing yards in terms of the combined efforts for both Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman in 2017, where both were healthy uh, that year. And even if you assume Mike Davis is going to be 20% better over his next 17 starts than he was over his last 17 starts, you're still looking at a average of about 59 close to 60 rushing yards per game and so if 2017 is our litmus test where is the other roughly 40 yards uh, going to come each and every Sunday and so that raises two main questions the first one being can Davis be significantly more productive as a starter moving forward than he has shown to date instead of being a guy that's going to give you 50 60 rushing yards a game can he be that type of runner that can give you 70 80 and, and potentially be a top 10 running back in the league that's what you sort of expect From those guys. And for me, you know, I would be a little bit more optimistic about that, uh, be a little bit more willing to buy into that notion if the Falcons didn't have so many question marks on their offensive line. You know, a a line going back to that 2017 line that was equipped with sort of prime versions of Andy Levitre and and Alex Mack at left guard and center is very different from the line that the Falcons have going in 2021 where you have a competition between Josh Andrews and Jalen Mayfield at that left guard spot and Matt Hennessy and Drew Dolman at the center spot. And that's not meant to bash the 2021 group, but, you know, Levitre and Mack graded out as top 10 run blockers in 2017. And that's not just respective to their positions, but that's among all offensive linemen. So you're essentially talking about based off of their pro football focus grades two ninetieth 90th percentile run blockers back in 2017 when the Falcons running game was last good. And of course, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that once Lavitri was permanently sidelined at the beginning of the 2018 season, that sort of coincided with the Falcons running game being completely derailed. Um, so I think, you know, The second question, of course, in addition to that first one over whether Davis can be significantly more productive, is going to be, you know, is there going to be an RB2 uh, that's going to sort of pick up the slack if Davis is not uh, that productive and is not going to give you more than 60 or so yards a game? and. That's gonna be what we're gonna talk about next, uh, as we continue today's Locked On Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I do wanna plug the Locked On Bets podcast. You know, betting on any sport can be tough. And you don't necessarily have to worry about that anymore because Locked on Bets hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. You can get your daily picks, blowout specials and your wrong team favorite picks, as well as Lee's lock of the day by following the Locked on Bets podcast presented to you by BetOnline.ag on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So BetOnline.com the sponsor of the lockdown bets podcast is also the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They give you the latest news, odds and info for all your sporting needs. Whether we're talking about the NHL, NBA, MLB, UFC, MMA, summer Olympics, British open, right? Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all that action at Bet Online. You can get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, including whether or not Calvin Ridley will be the NFL's leading receiver this year, nine to one odds uh, to be the leading receiver, which is second best only behind receiving yards leader from last year, Stefan Diggs, unfortunately not great odds on Mike Davis leading the league in rushing this year, but whether you're betting on that or something else, all you got to do is head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at BetOnline.ag. use the promo code locked on when you get there and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It. Again, that's promo code locked on for a fifty percent welcome bonus. Meaning, if you deposit two hundred bucks, you get a hundred bucks of free money to play with at Bet Online. Bet Online, are online sportsbook experts. So, the question uh, that remains for us to discuss here on Lockdown Falcons, talking about this running back position, is going to be the ongoing battle for that RB two spot. And right now, I you know. According to my depth chart, I have Cordero Patterson as the front runner there just because the coaching staff is somewhat familiar with him um, and certainly paid him. You know, I think he's making just about the same amount of money as Mike Davis. And I don't know if you're necessarily paying him all that money just to return kicks, which, you know, he's probably going to return maybe 30 or so kicks this entire season. If you're paying him three million dollars and, and Mike Davis is you know going to get 200 plus carries this year. You know, you would think that Cordero Patterson is going to touch the ball a little bit more than 30 times, uh, even if he gets a handful of carries more than 50 times this year, given the amount of money that they're paying for him. But you do wonder, given that Patterson hasn't necessarily shown himself to be that, can he be that sort of number two guy where we're talking about being a guy that can get you 30, 40 yards a game? You know, the average NFL offense runs the ball about 27 times per game. And if you assume two of those would be Matt Ryan scrambles, and with our previous projection, of Davis, based off of his 17 previous starts, he'd be averaging about 13 rushing attempts per game. But let's raise that number to 15. All right? You'd still need somebody else to pick up the 10 more carries a game uh, to have a relatively healthy rushing attack. And in Patterson's career, he's only had four games where he's carried the ball 10 or more times. Now, in those games, he did get a combined, you know, 188 yards on 43 carries uh, in those four games combined, and that's an average of over 40 yards a game. So again, if you're getting 60 from Davis each week and you're getting then 40 from Patterson on top of that you're looking at roughly the 100 that we're talking about needing in order to have a truly healthy uh, running game but you know that's the thing with Patterson is he's been only a really essentially utilized as a running back for the last two and a half seasons, dating back to that week eight game in 2018 when he was with the new England Patriots and they had a bunch of injuries at the running back position and he was their leading rusher at that point. Um, and so you have roughly 44 games that he's played in since then, uh, including the playoffs. And again, only four of them where he's seen a significant workload of 10 or more carries. And outside of those four games, you're talking about across the other 40, Games that he's played in when he's been primarily a running back, he's only averaged about 1.9 carries a game. So even if you lowered the threshold to five carries, right? You're still only adding maybe three more games to the sample. So you really have an unproven player uh, in Patterson in terms of being a guy that can get you five, eight, 10 or more carries on a consistent basis week in and week out. Um, and really throughout his career as a running back for these last two and a half years, for the most part, he's been a, a gadget guy who's only gotten one, two, maybe three carries uh sort of sprinkled uh, throughout these uh, last two and a half seasons. So, you know, if, Patterson winds up being the Falcons' main RB2, their main change of pace running back, where he certainly has the skill set with the speed and quickness um, to sort of complement Mike Davis, you know, you're going to have to see a significant increase in his typical workload, and then he's going to have to produce in order to perform at that higher workload. And again, I don't think it's because, you know, I question that a little bit, but I don't think it's because you know, Patterson lacks the skill set. Um, you know, he's, the speed is there, he's got decent vision, especially when you consider relatively speaking, he's relatively new to the position and, you know, he benefits there from uh having those return skills. But you just wonder if he's poised to do that. And I don't know I won't call go ahead and say it's a bad bet to bet on him to be able be that guy, but I it's certainly not a winning bet. Let's say the odds are not in your favor. Um so I think the big question that I have with Patterson is not necessarily his ability as a runner, but maybe it's his ability, whether he can hold up full time in pass protection. And that's just not something that he, you know, similar to being a regular part of the offense in the running game. That's not been something that he's been asked to do a ton so far uh, in his NFL career. In fact, according to pro football focus, he only has nine career snaps as a pass blocker, uh, seven of which came in 2019. Now the good thing for Patterson is that he did not, he was not credited with a giving up a pressure on any of those seven snaps in 2019 with the bears. Uh, So that does bode well for him, but you know, again, it's a tall order to go from say seven snaps to, I don't know, 30 snaps or 40 snaps, which is what you would expect out of a capable RB two that can spell Mike Davis from time to time and keep your, you know, $30 million quarterback upright uh, when the situation calls for it. Now, um, you know, quadru Olison I think may get an edge there because Olsson is a guy that was a forgotten man a year ago after sort of flashing some potential as a rookie in 2018, as a short yardage and goal line running back, he brings a lot more power uh, to his game than necessarily Patterson does not necessarily the quickness and explosiveness. Um, And so you wonder a little bit, you know, would the Falcons prefer to have a one, two punch in Davis and Olison that is more physical, or would they rather have someone like a Patterson or, or maybe a JV on Hawkins that brings a little bit more juice to the position and be, better compliments in that way. Um, you know, I think the thing that Olison has going for him is at least in theory, he should hold up uh, in pass protection a little bit better than players like Patterson, but he too has not necessarily proven it uh, given limited playing time over the last two seasons. And when he has gotten opportunities, whether we're talking about the preseason in 2019 and, you know, in 2019 and, and rarely in 2020 has been a little bit too inconsistent in terms of his pass protection, but given his size, um, you know, given his physicality, you would think at least in theory he would hold up better in pass protection. And certainly, he was a capable pass protector in college. We just haven't seen it necessarily translate quite yet to the NFL. Um, so we'll see sort of how Olison fits in. And he's certainly not a guy that's a lock to make the roster at this point in time. But I feel like he's fairly safe. Um, but you know, we could reach a point where this coaching staff decides: look, him and Mike Davis are a little bit too redundant. Uh, and let's move in another direction. Let's get someone who compliments Mike Davis a little bit more. But, you know, I think the thing that goes in Olison's favor is special teams skills. He has experience there. And and so when you're a player like Olison that may not necessarily be a lock to be the RB2 and you may be stuck being the RB3 or RB4 or something like that, you know, you got to find other ways to contribute to this roster given that RB threes and RB fours typically don't get a lot of opportunities on offense as Edo Smith can attest as Quadra Olsen can attest in the past as players like Teron Ward and, and others and Brian Hill can attest in previous years. Um, and so having that special teams ability means that you can still contribute on Sundays. Um, you know, even if you're not contributing on offense. So, that's going to be something in olson's favor, but it may not necessarily go in the favor of the guy that I think is the presumptive favorite to be the fourth option for the Falcons at the running back position. That could push for a greater role, which is the undrafted free agent in J.V. And Hawkins, who I think for a lot of people, and including myself to a certain extent, you know, is kind of the stand-in for the running back that the Falcons didn't draft this year. When a lot of us, including myself, you know, fully expected the Falcons to draft a running back to sort of be this RB two, given the question mark we have at that position to sort of fill those shoes. But you know, the thing that Hawkins has in his favor is bringing that explosive running potential that when we're talking about sort of a thunder and lightning combination in conjunction with Mike Davis, Javian Hawkins and his four, four speed is sort of the ideal option. You know what Davis lacks in uh, explosiveness, Javian Hawkins possesses and what Hawkins lacks in power Davis um, possesses. So you know, I think the main concerns you have moving forward with Javien Hawkins, you know, at least for me, centers entirely on his size. You know, he's a smaller guy, 5'8", 183 pounds at his pro day. And, you know, others might be quick to point out someone like a Work Dunn who is, you know, very similar in terms of his stature. But of course, I have to remind you that Work Dunn, you know, finished in the top 20 all time rushing yards. So he's certainly an outlier when it comes to smaller running backs and there just isn't a good history of of sub-190-pound running backs having a ton of success in the NFL. You know, since Dunn's career ended, you're really basically talking about guys like Tariq Cohen and Darren Sproles. Philip Lindsay. I think, clocks in at just at 190 pounds. So if you're going to throw those guys into the mix. So we're talking about literally a handful of players over the last, you know, 10, 15 years that have succeeded in the NFL at 190 pounds or less. Uh, so history isn't necessarily on the Hawkins' size. And the other issue related to his Size is maybe it has a limiting factor on how he can contribute on special teams. That, unless you're expecting him to be the next Anton Smith, who was 192 pounds, uh, you're not expecting JV and Hawkins to have a significant role on special teams, right? And so, in a world going back to what I just referred to with Olison, in a world where Javian Hawkins can't crack the lineup and, and leapfrog a guy like Patterson or Olison as that RB2, you're looking at a player that probably is going to be inactive most game days. Uh, even if he does wind up making the roster just because he's not going to have that, you know, secondary way uh, of being able to contribute on special teams like a Olson and certainly like a, a Cordero Patterson. So that's why for me, while I think Javian Hawkins is going to be that undrafted free agent that gets a lot of buzz entering training camp and in certain ways probably is going to deliver because all he needs to do really is to break a couple of long runs against, those third string defensive players in the preseason games to really make an impression. I do, however, remain a little skeptical about his long-term potential here in Atlanta, because unless he can carve out that role as an RB2 and thus be guaranteed a consistent workload during the regular season, and then on top of that, take advantage of those opportunities that he gets in the regular season be productive, it's hard for me seeing him as a long-term solution at the position. But part of me is sort of assuming that as a result of the upcoming season you know, the Falcons may further understand that they have a real need to add that RB two next offseason that we all thought they would add this offseason to sort of supplement Mike Davis. Again, Mike Davis, the expectation is he's going to get you at least 60% of the way there in terms of having that, you know, very productive running game that we talked about on yesterday's podcast, that moving forward with Matt Ryan getting older, you're going to have to put a little bit more burden on the running game to carry this offense moving forward. Um, And, you know, I, I feel confident at least... This season, Mike Davis is going to give you 60% of that, but I don't know if the rest of this group is going to give you the other 40%. And I don't know if Mike Davis is going to give you more than 60%. And so finding that other 40% is going to be potentially, uh, if guys don't live up to expectations, something that the Falcons are going to wind up, you know, having to acquire. And, you know, perhaps that's the conclusion that the Falcons reach before next offseason, instead reach that by the end of training camp, if and when players like Patterson, Olison and Hawkins don't necessarily inspire confidence. And that's not meant to write off guys like Tony Brooks, James and, and Caleb Huntley, who I feel like are, you know, potentially contenders for practice squad spots. But I feel like, you know, Tony Brooks, James kind of a poor man's version of JVN Hawkins. If you're looking for a truly dynamic explosive back, I think Hawkins has that a little bit more in spades um, and, and has flashed a little bit in limited opportunities in the past. Uh, and Caleb Huntley to me is kind of a poor man's quadriolescent. Um, so it's hard for me to sort of imagine either one of those two guys leapfrogging guys like Hawkins and Olison to make the team, but you know, crazier things have happened. So it feels like the, what I'm getting at the final point I'm trying to make is that like we've talked about, with pretty much you know another dozen positions so far this summer in these training camp previews, the running back position may be a position where you could see the falcons potentially scouring the waiver wire or potentially making a trade at the end of summer to find more of that proven r b two if nobody currently on the roster winds up in pressing. Certainly, you know, something that, you know, we're just going to have to keep an eye on a lot of these roster battles throughout the rest of the league uh, because I, I feel like, as we have seen in, in previous summers and with previous regimes, you know, I don't think the Falcons are done making roster moves. Um, and, you know, I, one would hope, similar to what we saw with Dan Quinn and company back in 2015, this new regime is not going to be shy about revamping and remaking their roster You know, in the days leading up to the start of the regular season if they feel like, you know, the players currently in-house aren't up to par. So running back is a position at under that position. So we'll just see how it all plays out. And guys, uh, you know, uh, as we see how things unfold for the rest of the summer, of course, tomorrow's episode will feature my conversation about the cornerback position. But make sure in addition to checking out that ultimate NBA mock draft. Uh, if you want to get the, the low down on all the latest going on in the world of sports, whether you want to get the skinny on what's next for the Milwaukee Bucks, as well as what's going on in baseball, the summer Olympics, etc., Check out the locked on today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski. It's all the sports news that you need every day in under 20 minutes. Check out locked on today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.